Please open up your hymnals to page 32 in the front part. Page 32. And when you get there, up in the upper left-hand side, you'll see the word conclusion written. We'll read that together today. I'll read the italics part, and uh, you read the rest. What does God say about these commandments? I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of fathers on the children to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, and showing mercy to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. What does this mean? God threatens to punish all those who transgress these commandments. Therefore, we should fear his wrath. to those who keep these commandments. Therefore, we should also love and trust in him and willingly do according to his commandments. Please be seated. If we don't follow God's commandments, we hate him. Luther took this portion for the conclusion of the commandments, actually from the beginning of the commandments. He took them from the first commandment, and it lays out for us how much trouble we're in. If our fathers didn't follow the commandments, we hate him. When we don't follow the commandments, we don't just doom ourselves, we doom our children to hate him. Adam and Eve wanted to be like God. And in this part of the Bible, in the Ten Commandments, he lays out for them exactly what that means. You want to be like me? This is what I'm like. Good luck being like this. You can see why this drove people to madness. Because you read these verses and God is transparently angry at you. You can see why guys like Luther tried to beat the sin out of themselves, whipping themselves and wearing hair clothes and all sorts of things to inflict pain on themselves to try to purge this out of them because looking down on them was a jealous God who hates sin and they hate him back. And in fact, everything that Luther did to try to purge the evil out of himself just made him hate God more as he realized how impossible a task it was. We've been trying to hide from God since the very beginning. They wouldn't know what this is. What now? Fig leaf. Yes, this is a fig leaf. This is the original garment that human beings uh, employed to attempt to cover themselves. I'm growing a fig tree in my garden. I would be lying if I said I wasn't very proud of the fact that I'm able to do this in uh, desolate, desolate Minnesota. Uh, but uh, this is, in fact, a fig leaf right from my garden. Now, the fig leaf has a number of different properties to it that we ought to consider when we think about it as a covering for human beings who are looking to uh, hide themselves. Excuse me a moment. And, uh, sorry about this camera guy. Uh, okay, give that a feel. 
How would you describe what that feels like? It feels like sandpaper, he says. Absolutely. The texture of this thing is rough and uncomfortable. And if you stuffed it inside of your clothing, you would be unhappy for a long time. You broke my fig leaf <laughs> when you touched it. But that's okay, because that actually gets up towards what we're talking about next, right? The, the fig leaf is uncomfortable, right? You've put this, if you're going to wear this on your body, you're going to hurt, and you're going to hurt a lot. The fig leaf, as we just uh, witnessed, is unbelievably brittle. It's broken already, so I may as well, like, it's terrible. It falls apart at the barest touch. When I was carrying this over, today. I had to have it like protected because a mere breeze could cause this thing to completely shatter and fall apart. It has no ability to withstand any of the hardships that the world might throw at it. It's unbelievably impermanent. Would you like to see the fig leaf I picked yesterday? This is what it looks like now. All right, it dried out, it curled up, it, it wouldn't do anything as a covering. It doesn't last very long. You might be able to get something resembling a covering for yourself for just a tiny little bit of time, but it's only going to hang in there uh, for a minute. And then finally, this is the one I picked this morning. The world itself, the, the environment, just saps everything out of it. And frankly, even if this was in pristine, perfect condition, it still wouldn't do the job. Can you imagine trying to cover yourself with something with all of these little holes and angles and bizarreness? Even if I had done it perfectly, even if I had managed to cloak myself, I wouldn't be clothed. I would be naked and covered in leaves. It's no imp So, when you put it on, it hurts. It confers no protection. It can't last. The world rips it to shreds, and it doesn't even do the job that you intended for it to do in the first place. When human beings look to cover themselves, that is exactly what happens. When our attempts to follow the law look exactly like what Luther was doing. It hurts. It's painful. We'll panic constantly. We'll be in perpetual despair. And as we jump into these things, remember to not listen to this too much with Lutheran ears, right? This is the state of the world. People looking to cover themselves and feeling this pain, feeling this anxiety of repeated failure. The attempt won't last, any, any motivation and strength that I'm able to build up into myself to say, okay, now I'm going to be perfect, is going to evaporate in five minutes. As soon as the world starts assaulting me with all of its power and all of its temptations, whatever little righteousness I've managed to put over myself is just going to crumble to dust and fade away. And in the end, relying on myself wasn't even going to do the job anyway. The hope that I place in myself to accomplish anything is useless. Now, it's easy for me to uh, listen to these sort of things with Lutheran ears. I know that the gospel is coming. I know that this is all uh, uh, 
covered over. And yet, I can't help but notice that in the way that I live my life and the way that I treat other people, the way that I, I uh, measure other people is indicative of the real, true attitude of my soul. That I do think that I can be better. That, that little feeling of giddiness that I feel when somebody else who's done something stupid and wrong pays for it. When somebody gets their comeuppance or instant karma, I like to see it. I like the law even when it applies to me, but man, I love it when I see it applied to somebody else. How many people in this world, when they say Christians are just a bunch of self-righteous hypocrites, are picturing my face when they think that? How many people, when they think about the ways in which supposedly good people have hurt them, are imagining you? When Adam and Eve were forced out of the garden, they did not walk out of the garden covered in leaves. Do you guys remember how it was that they actually left the garden? What were they wearing? Yes, yeah, skins, okay? It says skins. We, we still wear skins, but we don't call them anything like, you know, so creep. We're not very silence of the lambs in our description of uh, what we wear, right? The best stuff that you can wear right now is the same stuff that God clothed Adam and Eve in. He gave them leather and fur. That's how they walked out of the Garden of Eden. Think about leather and fur in comparison to a terrible, rotten fig leaf. I brought a spare because I figured something was going to happen. Think about how, uh, how well leather and fur stack up against the covering that we made for ourselves. First off, it's so comfortable. You haven't lived until you've worn real leather. You haven't felt anything as nice as real fur. It feels good to wear it when it rains and storms and the environment throws all sorts of different things at it. It's going to hold up. Well-made leather lasts pretty much forever. I have leather seats in my car. I sit on them every day. The car is 20 years old and they look beautiful. They'll hang in there for a long time. They'll stand up to punishment. And unlike this thing could ever do, they actually cover you. They actually do the job that was intended to be done. God clothed them in something that worked before they went out into the world. But it took something. Clothing them in something that worked always meant that there was going to be blood spilled. The garments that Adam and Eve fashioned for themselves are a picture of our attempts to reunite with God and the misery that that produces. But God, the garments that God provided for them are a picture of his success at covering our nakedness and giving something better. When I cheerfully judged others, when I cheerfully believe that I have something to bring to God, I come before him naked, and I feel everything that I should feel in conjunction with that. I feel ashamed. I feel afraid. But God has clothed me in something better. He has clothed me in someone better. Our lives were not good enough. Our lives put us as enemies of God, 
And so we were provided with the life of Christ. He said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. It's comfortable to put on Christ. He's the one who endured the pain and the discomfort. And he's the one who had perfect obedience. With Christ, all I bring is my faith. And even that God gave to me. He says, no one will snatch you out of my hand. With Christ, my protection is strong because it's not based on something that's inside of me, me, this weak, faltering, vacillating thing. Instead, it's based on him who is eternal and never changes. He points to that and says, I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. With Christ, my protection is durable. It lasts, it lasts through my lifetime and then into the next, into eternity, rather than just how long my will can stand in line with it. He said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. With Christ, my protection actually does the job and covers me completely. Just as with those original garments, all of these benefits come to us, but they come to us at a price. But not a price to you. It came at the price of blood. Christ's death on the cross clothes us in his perfection. The strength and hope that we get from knowing that Christ's body on the cross becomes our body, his perfect body becomes our body. My sinful one is the one that's nailed to the cross. His body becoming for me, my covering, my hiding place, gives me a kind of confidence that's astonishing. Because as I go through the commandments, they have the inevitable effect of making me sink deeper and deeper into depression and fear. I feel sick when I look at how badly I've failed. But then hearing Jesus point out that breaking them in my heart is just as bad, that makes it worse. And yet, here I stand before God with him seeing me as having achieved perfectly, as someone that he loves, as having kept his commands. Going through the commandments is terrifying when we appreciate them aright, when we see them for what they are. Because on our way through, we are forced to reckon with who we are. God hates a sinner. And I'm standing in front of him naked as an unfaithful, foul, ignorant, disrespectful, hateful, adulterous, thieving, slanderous, covetous, envious enemy of God, but clothed in the blood of Christ as one whom he loves and keeps his commandments. Amen. Please rise. we pray. Lord God, you are a jealous God, but not a selfish one. So giving are you that you even provided a way out from our misery and despair by gifting to us Jesus. 
Clothe us in his righteousness. Dress us in his perfection. And see us for his good rather than our evil. Rather than repay us as our failure to obey these Ten Commandments deserves, we pray you to grant the reward Christ provided, eternity and perfection with you. Hear us for Jesus' sake. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be and abide with you. Amen.